You are listening to the Horse Radio Network, part of the Equine Network family. Hello, and welcome to the Sport Horse Podcast. I'm Nicole Lakin. And I'm Tim Borden. And we have a returning guest today, and I'm really, really excited to uh, share this discussion with you. Yeah, so uh, Dr. Bart Halsberg uh, was with us uh, a few episodes ago, and today he's here to talk about equine physiatry. Um, He'll get into what exactly that is, but um, super, super helpful advice for managing both um, the way that we train equine athletes to make them stronger and better able to prevent injury, um, and also um, a lot of the different modalities and things that can be used to to support that as well, and um, some really great insight into uh, rehabilitating horses from injury as well. So um, really looking forward to this one. So Bart obtained his DVM from the University of Ghent in Belgium in 2003. Since then, he has focused his veterinary career on equine sports medicine and rehabilitation. In 2018, he started his own practice, Global Equine Veterinary Consulting, providing worldwide veterinary services and consulting in the field of integrated equine sports medicine and rehabilitation, lameness, pre-purchase examinations, and diagnostic imaging. He has authored a book chapter as well as several peer-reviewed publications and is a double board-certified equine specialist in equine practice and equine sports medicine and rehabilitation. He combines all of this knowledge and experience to pioneer a new branch in veterinary medicine called equine sports physiatry, emphasizing the prevention, diagnosis, treatment, and rehabilitation of physical impairments or disabilities. Hi, Bart, and welcome back to the Sport Horse Podcast. Thank you. I'm glad to be back. Yeah, we're really, really thankful to have you here, and uh, it's an episode we were looking forward to recording for quite some time. So you, last time we spoke to you, you had mentioned a little bit about equine sports physiatry, and uh, Nicole and I definitely circled that because it's something we really wanted to, to uh, dive into further. And so just to kick it off, can you describe equine sports physiatry and what differentiates it from maybe the classical equine veterinary care that most of our listeners would typically see? Sure. Um, uh, the word physiatry actually comes from uh, the Greek uh, words physikos and iatreia. Uh, physikos means physical and iatreia is art of healing. Um, and not many people may know, but it's actually a recognized specialty in the human medicine. Um, and what it really is, it's uh, a branch of medicine that emphasizes prevention, diagnosis, treatment and rehabilitation of physical impairments and disabilities that are related to the musculoskeletal system, you know, your brain, spinal cord, nerves, bone, muscles, tendon, joints, ligaments, and and fascia, for sure, we shouldn't forget about that. But I think what, you know, what differentiated from the regular medicine is that its area of expertise is the functioning of the whole patient uh, uh, with an aim to relieve pain, uh, enhance and restore its functional ability and improve the quality of life. So where where regular medicine is more looking uh, to cure an injury and with uh, physiatry, we're more looking to uh, restore functional ability and improve quality of life. Uh, so it's a little bit uh, a different, a different approach. We obviously want to help with healing the injury as well, but what we want to do is see how can 
that patient function optimally within its limitations. And that's what we're after. The other differentiation a little bit with, you know, regular veterinary medicine, and we talk about physiatry, you know, some people also talk about integrated veterinary medicine, but I think it's even a little bit bigger than integrated veterinary medicine because, <clears throat> um, first of all, and we're, we're starting from the dysfunction of the patient, uh, rather than an injury. Uh, and we look at it, uh, from a holistic or a whole horse approach. Um, but we're not focused on one or a couple extra modalities, uh, that we see, you use, like not just chiropractic acupuncture that we integrate into our classical Western, uh, approach, but we're really you know, use anything uh, that might work for that particular horse. So we call it one medicine, the one that works for that individual patient, you know, and what modality we use there at the end of the day really doesn't matter. Um, it's tailored to the patient and we're not, you know, stuck with just a, a set of modalities. Um, at the same time, you know, the, the physiatry does use a lot of what they call physical medicine or uh, the modalities that are based on, on physical energy. So that can be a, a mechanical nerve stimulation through manual or manipulative therapies through acupuncture, vibration therapy, cupping, can be phototherapy like laser, can be ultrasound therapy like the therapeutic ultrasounds electrotherapies, shockwave, tense, uh, pulse electromagnetic fields, or even thermotherapy like cold and heat therapy. Those are all energy therapies, and you know, providing physical energy. So a big part of the, the treatment modalities, uh, are, are focused on that, but it, it's not exclusive, uh, physical energy that we use. We can use uh, other things as well. That's really fascinating. And I think um, just my wheels are turning. But um, as you you mentioned, a big component of this approach of, of physiatry is the preventative aspect to managing equine athletes. What do you see as some of the low-hanging fruit to keep horses sound and happy when performing their jobs? Yeah, I, I think sometimes it's... It's even going back to to the basics. Sometimes we don't have even the basics right. Um, and I, just obviously, you know, nutrition always comes up because you know that's what feeds the body. Um, and diet and husbandry, I think, is is step number one. Uh, and sometimes that can be challenging uh, because hey, there's so much information out there that sometimes hard to filter through, you know, what is good, what is not good, what is better. Um, obviously de depends on the environment uh, you're at. Um, but I think, you know, I always think diet is complex and simple at the same time, but we have really good equine nutritionists nowadays. And I think, uh, it's a small investment to kind of work with them where it's on a, on a yearly base uh, to overview your diet and you're going to have much long-term benefits of it than trying as a 
you know, as a, a trainer or a rider to kind of establish your own perfect uh, diet for your horse, uh, because then it, it can get a little bit messy because it's not just about, you know, how much you give of each ingredient, but it's also the, the, the ratio or the balance between uh, the different ingredients in the diet and that play a role. Um, you know, and then if the diet is right, um, and we have a good husbandry where the horses can move along and hopefully are not locked up in a stall, uh, most of the day, um, <clears throat> then I think we're off to a good start. And the other thing I think we often miss is, is to reduce stress, uh, where, where possible. Um, and. I mean, we know horses are prone to stress. Uh, we know that from if we look at how many horses have gastric ulcers, you know, stress and again, diet uh, and exercise play an important role in that. Um, so reducing stress, I think, is always step one, especially if we want to uh, prevent injury uh, or even try to heal injury, because whenever there's stress, an injury cannot heal. You have high cortisol levels, they start breaking down the body. And, you know, when we think of that, you know, the parasympathetic uh, nervous system is very important. It's, you know, live and let live. That's, you know, day to day things like grazing, eating, uh, reproduction is what stimulates the parasympathetic system. And we can do a lot there, stimulating that with even simple massages around the head and the pelvis. Uh, we can uh, even as a, an owner just start influencing that. And then we obviously think about the GI because that's your biggest immune organ. And uh, diet, it again, comes back uh, to influence that and keep that in, in optimum health as well. Now, once we reduce stress, then we can start building and or hopefully preventing. You know, diet and husbandry, uh, reducing stress. And then the, the third is recognizing pain. Um, I think that's important. And uh, over the years, we made good strides to start recognizing pain in horses. Uh, several pain scales have uh, become available uh, and been research and objectively uh, verified um, you have facial pain scores but also other signs of of pain uh, like grunting uh, can be a part of it sometimes yawning uh, and <clears throat> these uh, pain scales are now also readily available in in some neat little apps uh, like the equine pain and wellness app that was developed by the university of utrecht so it makes it fairly easy for owners, trainers, riders to kind of check if if their horse has pain or if it has pain due to a certain health issue or injury, if, if the pain is getting better or worse. So you can also use it in a management program. And I think that's very important to, to recognize pain because often, you know, horses that start misbehaving uh, that's often related to pain and uh, i think nowadays we have more awareness but still too often we think oh the horse is naughty it's a training issue but often there's an underlying cause so recognizing pain i think is very important so 
we can take the right steps um, to see why they have pain and how to resolve it. Um, and then obviously the saying, the fourth one would be the saying that we all know is, you know, no foot, no horse. Um, feet are very important in horses. Um, and having a good farrier and having a good communication with the farrier, trainer and veterinarian um, is is a, an important aspect as well. And so the whole team is aware of what are the issues that the trainer feels from a movement perspective? What are maybe some health issues that the horse has that the farrier can help with, with some therapeutic shoeing? Um, so a big focus should go on that as well. Um, and then, you know, there's the typical things, but, you know, it's still a horse rider unit. Um, and we can take care of the horse, but the rider has to take care of himself as well. Uh, and we know obviously saddle fit is important, but riding posture is important and the health of the athletes is important because if, if he's not comfortable in his body and he's not sitting, sitting balanced or riding balanced, that's going to influence the horse. And often we start looking at the horse then thinking it's a horse issue, but you know, sometimes it's also a rider issue. Just having that body awareness and and knowing as a rider where your physical limitations are and and working on that uh, is important as well just it should not just be the horse uh, we focus on as you know it's a dance and a unit together so a lot of those uh low-hanging fruit that you mentioned i think are probably not a surprise to to most people but um, most of them are sort of challenging to maintain um, in the context of competition, especially, um, you know, under, you know, either FEI rules or some national rules. Um, you know, sometimes you have to alter their diet or you just can't access, you know, the same the same forage that they are normally on. Um, you know, stress is obviously higher. Sometimes you have to adjust their shoeing schedule based on, um, you know, competition schedules or even, you know, change their shoes because of the type of surface that they're going to compete on. Um, so I'm just curious in your in your work, if you've seen um, or worked with any riders that you feel like do a really good job of managing those those aspects at the competition Um or um and sort of how they do that or if you have any sort of tips and tricks of of how you approach um this sort of preventative aspect of managing equine athletes while they're competing yeah i i think it's uh yeah a little bit thinking ahead and then um obviously being able to adapt a, a little bit as well um i'd say we're like you mentioned you go to shows um if it's a long haul to a show, we know that the horse will lose some weight. You know, hydration is important. So we we sometimes don't want to start him too skinny and, and a too lean body condition if we're going to a show and we're traveling far because then uh, we're going to lose some body weight there. Obviously, the opposite is true. We want to make sure they stay fit. Uh, being overweight is often more of an issue than being underweight. and and we all know that excess weight gives excess load on the the joints and the tendons but you know it's also 
fat can be metabolically active. So it also uh, increases cortisol level and start breaking down the body. So coming in with the right body weight uh, is important. Um, and you can kind of manage that throughout the season. And if there's an off season, obviously they can gain a little bit weight. If it's in the season, you kind of match the feeding towards where you are at the competition and how far you're traveling. And then yes, you know, take feed from home with you at least so you can, if you don't have enough for the whole competition, at least try to make a slow transition to the, hey, that is available at the competition. Uh, so you have less chance of a GI upset, you know, and again, if you keep a healthy GI, uh, you keep a healthy immune system, less chance that your horse going to get sick. Uh, um, or develop uh, GI-related problems like ulcers. And then ulcer prevention is key. You know, the use of omeprazole um, or uh, supplements that suit the stomach uh, can be used, but omeprazole is probably the only one that we know of that, that really works. Um, and generally, you would start three days out uh, because it's kind of slow acting, uh, three days out and then continue it till three, three days after the competition, uh, and preventing stomach ulcers that co may come with the stress of the competition. Um, even like water and hydration, uh, sometimes you can work with flavored water because plain water, the taste will be different depending on where you go and if your horse is used to flavored water then you can bring that flavor in the water that at the competition and then you have a, a higher likelihood that the horse will will um, drink and stay hydrated um, as it would be at home um, so there's a couple things there that we can do and then during the competition um, obviously even at fei level the you know, physiotherapy is allowed and a lot of things like massage or laser uh, can be very helpful to help relax the horse, uh, reduce the stress levels, uh, even when they're at a competition. Um, you know, you don't necessarily need, uh, need drugs for that. I think a lot we can do with, with manual therapy and things like laser or like a beamer blanket and there's different things we can do at the competition to keep these horses happy and also to keep them from performing at the same level day after day uh, so we don't lose performance or they don't start fatigue or get the late muscle onset soreness things like that the, the one thing i'm really curious to hear your thoughts on bart is the whole motor control aspects i think it's it can often be overlooked in sport and and i'm thinking in terms of the, like the context of injury so we know that the central nervous system is responsible for coordinating and executing movement and as soon as an injury occurs like a lot of those movement patterns are going to be rewired right to compensate for that injury uh there's a, a famous canadian chiropractor on the human side mark Lindsay, and uh, i was watching a talk he gave and he said and, and i think it's it's important to to highlight for for everyone who deals with athletes is that like any injury you have, it's essentially a brain injury in a way, right? Because you're rewiring the right. whole central nervous system. So I'm curious to know with horses, because I think a lot of people just think, okay, we need to get the tendon back to 
whatever we want it, whatever level we want it back, or the muscle just needs to to repair and then we're good to go again. But can you speak a little bit to the entire process of working on those those movement patterns to getting those to return to normal as well post injury? Right, you're you're exactly right. Uh, it's uh, indeed uh, resetting a, a normal neuromotor pattern that we need to really focus on. And you know, if the horse has an injury and we start rehabilitating the horse or reconditioning the horse, uh, we're indeed very focused on reducing pain and inflammation and healing the injury. But that is just uh, step one. Um, the most important part is again is functional rehabilitation and making the horse move balanced uh, so it prevents a re-injury because most injuries are overload repetitive overload related injuries so if we really want to go to prevention and and management or preventing from injuries to reoccur we have to see okay how is this horse moving is it moving in a balanced way? Why, why, where is it overloading and, and why is it overloading? But we can really, you know, help with that through a, a step approach. Obviously, for every individual, it's going to be a little bit different depending on what your starting point is. But still, you can give some guidelines. And I think, you know, step one is always working on, on balance. Uh, and balance is influenced by proprioception which happens through the sensory input of your muscles joints skin and secondly influenced by by core stability and i think it, you know if the horse doesn't have balance and then we ask him to do these huge you know movements huge jumps or exercises in an unbalanced way it's prone to to get injuries because you have a certain instability at the level of the joint or an overstretch of of the tendons and the ligaments exercises uh, that we can do and probably the easiest one to do at, at home to improve balance or postural sway is the the use of balancing pads and five minutes twice a day for five weeks pretty quickly you're going to improve their their balance, which is measured by trunkal sway on, on force plates. Um, other modalities that I've shown to improve the balance is, is a underwater treadmill and uh, the use of, of beamer blankets. So those are things that can be integrated as, as phase one. And then you have to focus on, on phase two is stability and flexibility. So that's really more that core stability that also plays a role in balance, but in balance the the main one is is proprioception and core stability really is the ability to control the position of movement uh, so you can maximum transfer of power between different body parts and i just like in people uh, is very very important and often lacking um, and that's why you see professional athletes they're often in the gym uh, more than they are out doing their uh sports specific exercises because they're working on balance and they're working on core stability all the time um and so to improve the core stability uh, that's we have to improve muscle strength and endurance of the what we call the stabilizing muscles which are most of the time uh, deeper uh, muscles uh, in in the spine it's the multifidus muscle other stabilizing muscles um 
or uh, like the psoas muscle and the abdominal muscles. Uh, so those are the things we need to to uh, strengthen in, in phase two. And that can be done with what people know, like the carrot stretches or dynamic mobilization exercises been shown to improve the cross-sectional area of these stabilizing muscles like the multifidus muscles. Whole body vibration therapy uh, the vibration plates have been shown to 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 help with that as well. Um, the band system, equiband or teraband system, where you put an elastic band around the butt or around the belly, has been shown to improve with with that um, and uh, pole work uh, as well. So those are exercises you can start integrating to improve improve that core stability. And once you have that, then you want to start going into phase three, strength and endurance of your mobilizing muscles, you know, increase range of motion and flexibility. Often these phases we talk about in a phase, but often during your rehabilitation or reconditioning, it's, it's going to happen at the same time. You know, you kind of going to mix and match a little bit. Um, and when we think about mobilizing muscles and improving flexibility um now we can work with like a tactile stimuli on the past joints or what they call the jingles to improve the range of motion in the joints make the horses pick up their feet better again underwater treadmill therapy has shown to have uh, an in, in, increase in mobility as well uh, raised ground poles which will at the same time also again activate the core strength and then what we call the straightness training principles or the classical dressage principles where you start introducing the lateral work with shoulder in haunches in uh, to bring flexibility uh, to your horse um, in combination with core strengthening phase four is a for specific exercises and activity. And I think uh, very often we go from okay, reducing pain, inflammation, uh, injury healing. And then, yes, we do a little bit of rebalancing, uh, core strengthening, uh, strengthening and enduring of the mobilizing muscles, but often not enough. Often we kind of jump from... Uh, Okay, the injury is healed, and we go back to our sport-specific exercises. And without basically rebalancing the horse or resetting that neuromotor uh, pattern to an, a normal or optimal functioning pattern. And if, if we do that, and the horse is still moving in an unbalanced way, um, then we are very prone to get re-injuries. And I think that's where we really need to focus is on on the basics and you know often people see when their horse is injured oh he's off for four months six months and you know in that time you can use that time so well to do all going back to basics and and do that okay i need to improve the balance of my horse i need to improve the core stability of the horse i need to strengthen and enduring and do and strengthen and <clears throat> improve the <clears throat> endurance of my mobilizing muscles so there's really a lot you can do um, during that rehab period that you often don't do enough or don't feel you have the time when they're you know not injured and they're competing um, and there it, it actually comes back to cross training is that 
during the day-to-day training, even if the horses are not injured and they're actively competing. We don't do enough of that type of uh, cross-training or exercises. We're always too much doing these sport-specific exercises. And that also leads then to repetitive overload on top of it. So we really have to do a lot of cross-training so we're not pounding on the same structures or stressing the same structures all the time. And we have to really make sure that all the rest is is perfect. So we can transfer, control these forces and transfer these forces in an appropriate way. I feel like you've left us with a lot of really great food for thought. Um, you know, in this discussion, I, uh, one little anecdote, it, it's just, as you've been talking, I've been thinking about um, the the series on Netflix, Quarterback, I don't know if you're familiar at all, but it follows three NFL quarterbacks through the 2022 season, and they're at very different stages of their career and in very different um, positions, but they're all, you know, going through the same, you know, difficult schedule and, and you know, pressures and whatnot. And so you get some insight into what happens behind the scenes to help them recover help them train and i think um i everything that you're saying is so i is so relevant to that sort of story and uh one of the one of the quarterbacks they follow is patrick mahomes who um is probably the hottest um quarterback uh in the league right now and um watching the way that he trains was just so much in line with what you've said is um, working on the the core strength, the flexibility. Um, and he definitely spends like the most, the bulk of his time training on those things. And then, you know, only a, a certain amount of time actually working on, um, you know, game like uh, 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 moves and movements and, and stuff. So um, I highly recommend it for anyone who wants to check it out. It's always interesting to see um, behind the scenes at a high level of any sport. And and I think you've given us a lot of context for how that translates to equine or equestrian sports um, and how we can, you know, sort of better build our training programs to, as you've said, prevent injury. And also when we're when we're looking at rehabilitation um, do a better job of, of preventing re-injury. So really, really interesting stuff. Yeah, you're exactly like, uh, right. We, we can learn a lot from these professional human athletes on how they do it. Um, and then, uh, apply it to the horse because, you know, it's also an athlete and has the same issues. Um, I think sometimes, you know, if we use a human example, it's easier for people to understand it uh, and then sometimes that's enough to make that click and say yeah okay we're gonna start introducing some of these concepts in our uh, horse training as well so with that bird I, we know that we're you're very very busy and uh as nicole said like definitely a lot of for us to think about today i, I think this is a perfect overview and it's something that i think everyone needs to, to think about I, I definitely made a few notes sort of as we went through and like I think the some of the things that really stood out to me were when you talked about the need to reduce stress for these athletes uh for these equine athletes 
Uh, like that was something that uh, I find really fascinating talking to high level human coaches because that's really the bulk of their focus now is on recovery and like how do you enhance recovery. And I think when you go into most stables right now, everyone has the whiteboard, right? And it's like the horse did these mm-hmm. things with respect to work each day. Um, and for sure, like that workload is important for stimulating the body. But on the flip side, like the growth for the horse and all of those gains only happen during the recovery period. And right. so I think like it, it needs to be that balance where people are thinking more and more about like, what does my horse do? like how do i reduce stress in my horse and as you mentioned each horse is individual right and uh like some horses may enjoy spending a lot of time out in the field or some may enjoy going for a hack through the the forest and all that stuff so it's really really fascinating to hear your to hear your perspective on everything um but with with that we'll uh wrap it up thank you so much for for joining us again it was really fascinating it's it's an episode i was really looking forward to uh recording so i'm glad we were able to uh to chat with you today no, I'm uh, glad that we talked about this topic. There's, like I said, there's a lot more to talk about, but uh, I think um, it's important to to get it out there and and let people start thinking about the concept and hopefully, you know, start integrating some of these things uh, into their day to day or week to week management training. I always enjoy listening to Bart. I think he does a great job of clearly outlining which is in reality a very complex scenario right like it's not rehabbing injuries and bringing athletes back to sports form is is the toughest thing that anyone can do in sport but he he explains it in such a clear and concise way and really gives a nice roadmap to for how people can go about doing this and, and how he approaches the problem um as you went through there definitely like a bunch of sound bites that i was like oh like that's that's really good like i need to like explain something in the way he did because he's just so uh, articulate with outlining these concepts um and then i think the one thing that really stood out to me was and it's a really really important point when he talked about how when horses have an injury and they're off for four or six months people sort of view it as well the horse is off so it just needs time but as he said there's so much that can be done with these horses during that that period and it highlights that really the rehab is the most time consuming thing that you can do like if a professional athlete tears an achilles or tears an acl uh they're spending way more time than with therapists and in the gym than any other athlete on the team who's healthy just because it takes so much work and effort to get back and so i think that's a mind shift that really needs to happen in our sport is that you know that second that injury occurs it's not oh i'll look again at that horse in in four or six months it's really like all right like tomorrow what am i doing to get that horse back and to build their body back up to where it needs to be so i i really really enjoyed uh this discussion yeah and just to circle back for a second to that uh that football document or docuseries reference that i made uh called quarterbacks on Netflix. Um, one of the things that I I mentioned to you offline, Tim, was so fascinating to look at the way someone like Patrick Mahomes trains in that he is a freak. He's like a naturally gifted, super athletic person. And his his trainer has actually been working with him since the fourth grade. Um, and talked about some of the things that his body just does naturally, like the way that his hips sort of operate separately from his upper body, which allows him to do a lot of things in the pocket that other 
quarterbacks can't do um, or can't do as well. But um, what what was most interesting uh, in that in that series was also hearing just how much they were able to decrease injury, you know, small or large um, in his career by making subtle tweaks to the way that he's training by focusing on um, strengthening the muscles that help him do the things that make him so unique, but also focusing on mobility and by adjusting the way he trains throughout the season, depending on sort of where he needs to be in his game. Um, Of course, for anyone who's a football fan, we know that Mahomes was injured in the 2022 season. Um, That was an impact injury that happened during a game. It wasn't because he was, you know, stepped funny or whatever. He actually got landed on and and injured, uh, had a high ankle sprain that he then dealt with through the end of the season. Um, So, also uh, a reminder that, you know, you can do everything right and things can still go wrong. That's why it's so important to also think about what, what Bart shared with us in terms of that return to return to sport after injury and, and really thinking about the way that, um, you know, you can maintain an athlete during their downtime as well as, you know, how quickly you return to that sort of sport focused phase that he described. So uh, with all that said, um, that's a wrap for today's episode. You can find the links to today's guest and show notes at www.sporthorse.com. You can also follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Sport Horse Series. You can uh, also go to the podcast app that you're using to listen to the show and follow us or leave a review. Reviews are really great because they help others to find the show as well. You can have all 20 plus shows of the Horse Radio Network with you wherever you go with our free app for iPhone and Android. Just go to the App Store and search Horse Radio Network. And we definitely want to thank both Bowringer Ingelheim and Hilltop Bio for their support of the Equine High Performance Sports Group. They make it possible for us to do what we do, and we're grateful to have them as partners. So here's to keeping your sport horse happy and healthy. <laughs>